0: Let's get it. You dog, baby, I'm talking about that dog line. Made me on a 50 and it's gonna be a dog fight. Ask the girls and you know they're all lies. I woke up with a dog fight. Hey! Purple and gold, wherever I go. Cause I'm a Husky, baby.
1: Hello, dog fans. Welcome to the Boy Meets World podcast. And joining me today is fellow Husky football psychopath and previous podcast guest, Michael Stanton. Stanton, thank you for deciding to not trick or treat tonight and talk with me instead.
0: It was uh, it was very tempting, but not many options out here in Belltown in Seattle, so uh, I thought I would defer and instead talk my favorite thing in the world, Husky football.
1: Yeah, Belltown once the the lights go down (laughs) are probably probably not the place (laughs) to be walking around in a costume. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Good stuff. So while we're on the subject of Halloween. there's been a lot of like candy takes coming out today and I didn't really realize that people were that into one candy camp or another or like saw someone talking mess about Smarties today and that got kind of got me riled up. I don't know yeah. how, if you, if you feel strongly about candy and like are willing to go to bat for any particular, any particular bar out there. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the gummies. Ooh. Uh, I I don't dabble in the, the bars many,
0: many uh, times. Mostly, uh, sour patch kids or uh, swedish fish that's my go
1: to okay um, clarifying question on the sour patch and then uh, yes. one more gummy related question then we got to actually talk what we're supposed to talk about mm-hmm. sour patch there is a correct answer to the to the type of sour patch that is the best i hope you fruit. know fruit well they're all <laughs> they're all fruit aren't they
0: no, no the ones that are shaped like
1: fruit you mean like that's my favorite. like watermelon's uh they're uh, yeah, watermelons are great, but there's a variety pack that has
0: grape in there what? and like cherry. Yeah, it comes around at my uh, neighborhood Rite Aid every couple months, and I'm all about it when it, when it happens. So
1: can can you ship this?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm sure you can. I'm right. sure Amazon has you covered.
1: We're in the the hunt for for start for sponsorships anyway. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Sour Patch, I what's can't. up? Uh, and then also. So on the gummy related question I was eating some, some trolley gummy worms earlier mm-hmm. and first of all as soon as I say that you know the colors of gummy worms right they are yeah. oh you're asking me I'm asking um, you yeah they're, they're like
0: translucent aren't they or are we no,
1: talking no 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 like the, the colors The colors one. Uh,
0: well, you, well you gotta clarify there's many different types
1: well there's the, <laughs> the eggs I know you can get into the, the dark regions here but your your standard gummy worms come in three color varieties what are they Okay. Uh, then we have a, an orange and yellow type. No.
0: I, obviously, I have not, have not uh, eaten many gummy worms lately. You're
1: coming in here saying you're a gummy guy, and then now I, I can't trust I, I'm you. I'm
0: sending my ways with Sour Patch Kids.
1: That's fair. You introduced I, this, me to something this new. Is,
0: this has gone off the rails Yeah. the first couple of minutes. Uh, Yeah, definitely.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I can be the gummies. Sour Patch Watermelon, I'm out here for that. And then uh, Milky Way Midnight. Low-key. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not bad. It's a classy bar. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. Well, we're going to talk Husky football today. We're going to talk um, about the the sad Arizona State loss from a couple weeks ago. We're going to briefly touch on that, talk about more hopeful things. We'll talk about uh, the UCLA game that happened on Saturday, uh, the the kind of uh, goings-on that happened during that game that, that we're happy about. There was not a whole lot to be upset with during that game, so that should be fun to talk about. We'll preview the Oregon game, and then we'll also talk a little bit about the uh, the national playoff picture because the Huskies are uh, are not eliminated. Things are, are a little more bleak than they were the last time Stan and I spoke, but uh, but there's still certainly hope to getting into the Final Four this year. And then we'll leave with, uh, with a little bit of, of fun trivia at the end here. So before we get going, one big thing that I wanted to do here is to mourn the loss of former uh, University of Washington defensive end Daniel Taylor Daniel Teo Nesheim, I'm sorry there. News broke of his passing yesterday, and since then, it's just been an outpouring of support about a guy that seems pretty universally loved and adored uh, by everyone that played with him and was around him during his career. Uh, Nesheim left UW in 2009 as the all-time leading sacker in program history and then played for the Eagles and Bucks in his NFL career. We're certainly devastated that Nesheim, who was 30 years old um, at the time of his death, Passed away, Stan. Do you have any quick thoughts on on Teo uh, He
0: was he was definitely a huge player for the Huskies, especially in a in a time in the program where it was at its lowest. So he was kind of a nice thing to look to every Saturday. Um, I he was defensive player of the year in 2007. So I mean, that's not saying a lot for those that 2007 team, I guess. But still, you know, he was definitely a. A huge player for us in his day, and uh, it's really sad to see that coming out yesterday. I was I was shocked to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, just thirty years old, like we said, but uh, he, he was certainly on the field a lot uh, defensively those days when the, the Huskies had trouble moving the ball on offense, and and um, just was was such a force uh, defensively. But but even more than that, I mean, like I said, everyone's just been talking about how great of a guy he is, how how open his heart was um, to everybody. Um, our, our good buddy Jordan reminded me today that when he and I rushed the field after beating USC in 2009 that uh, Teo Nesheim was one of the first players we ran into and we both just hugged him like he was just the most huggable, big dude um, and he was he was more than happy to hug not just us but anyone that came came up to him that day. So certainly sad to hear um, the details on that haven't come out yet but um, regardless it's just um, it's a really sad situation to, to hear about. Anybody that young passing away, but especially someone that, that uh, meant so much to so, so many people. So, uh,
0: If you're not familiar with Teo Nesheim, you should look up uh, his clip against Justin Forsett. I think it was like in 2007 or 2008, oh, maybe, yeah. where he just cleats him on the goal line. That's vintage Teo right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was he was an absolute force. Um, so rest in peace, Daniel Teo Nesheim. Uh, moving on, hard to, hard to just talk about normal football when something like that happens, but we will do our best. Uh, the last time that that uh, Stan and I spoke on a podcast, we most certainly, maybe definitely doomed University of Washington football against ASU. We, we talked about um, the national implication of the playoffs before we talked about the game. Uh, didn't talk about the game a whole lot. Uh, and then we're served some... some, some crow on a on a nice hot pitchfork uh that night stayed up to about 2 a.m watching that game just kind of crumble um so if if we do that again and we lose to oregon this week then then block my number we're we're not we're not yeah yeah, we're not talking anymore um i will go full steve bartman about husky football uh for a while sound good to you yeah
0: yeah that sounds like a
1: plan all right great so we're gonna start with our our four downs segment brought to you by our friends at overstock.com overstock where you're at home with the o uh in four downs we'll alternate takes about the dogs four times pretty simple and the reason is because if we don't have this stanton and i will talk forever stanton first down is yours what do you got from uh from the last couple games i'm actually gonna start off with something that isn't Related to
0: the Huskies specifically, but is related to U.S. or UCLA, and that's Josh Rosen, who left the game this past Saturday uh, at the beginning of the third quarter. Um, not necessarily anything specific. Maybe it was a hand laceration. I've seen that reported here and there, but it, it sounds like multiple injuries. Um, he came in as the leading uh, passer in the Pac-12 and uh, led the conference in total offense as well. So obviously he was something or someone that we needed to uh, tend to during that game defensively. And he was pretty much a non-factor going 12 for 21, 93 yards. He did have a touchdown in there, a QBR rating of 23, though, and he was sacked four times. So receivers didn't help him with drops, um, but the Huskies managed him really well in the first half and uh, just the small part of the second half that he was playing. Um, But, yeah, I just – I. I thought that we would see more from him uh USC's or ucla's offense isn't the worst out there by any means um i guess it just goes to show you how uh, stout this defensive front and uh the back end of the defense is especially with miles My- bryant covering for uh injured jordan miller i thought uh in that department we uh were really good so um yeah surprised that rosen didn't really show up and that he actually went out but uh Kudos to our defense once again showing
1: up. Yeah, I know uh, University of Washington defensive line is is first in the nation in terms of yards per carry, and, and UCLA is not a team that uh, that can really move the ball on the ground, anyways. But especially when you, when you just you're in constant second and tens, third and tens, third and twelves situations like that where you can just kind of you know. You know, drop eight guys in coverage and see what happens after that, and still get pressure on on Rosen. It was too easy. Like you know, there was a, a couple nice throws that Rosen had earlier in the game to the sideline and on those first couple drives where you're thinking, okay, that's the guy, and you still see flashes of it. He can make throws that not a lot of guys in college football can make the problem is he has no time to throw and he has no running game and and UW was able to neutralize or to 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 make both of those points um, even more sentient during that game so uh yeah i mean the when this husky defense is clicking and even against ASU it, it was clicking it just was on the field too much so um you know you just kind of see the the differences between between the game plan on offense um, is kind of what i'll get into but yeah, the the defense this season has just it's it's been better than last season in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely has.
1: Yeah, and that's that's minus you know three NFL players in the uh, in the and, defensive side and Azeem
0: Victor to an extent.
1: Yeah, but. honestly, he's uh, he's he's still working back in. He's on the field, I think more. I don't know what the snap count is, but but he's definitely getting involved a little bit more. Um, but certainly not the the integral part of the defense as he was last year
0: definitely.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, first down, uh, I think we got three, four yards on first down I'm trying to move the chains here, but, <laughs> but, uh, a good, a good gain, uh, to second down we go, the running game against UCLA was phenomenal. They, they carried the ball. Uh, they being the Huskies carried the ball 58 times, which I saw that and I said, that has to be a record. And then I looked in the UW record books and saw that the 1956 team must have been just the most nutsell offense ever because they they carried the the rock eighty times in a game. I don't know wow. a, against who and or for how many yards.
0: Um, was the forward pass a thing no,
1: at that point? No, no. New Rockney had a quote about the <laughs> game afterwards though. he loved loved what was going on. Uh, but yeah, fifty eight carries for three hundred thirty three yards for the Huskies on Saturday. Five point seven yards a carry. Um, certainly good totals that, that you want to see there. Uh, albeit against a porous UCLA defense, but hey, if it's a porous defense that can't stop the run, um your job as a as a team is to to run it down their throats. So I thought they, they did a great job with that. Just wanted to make a point about uh, Levon Coleman. I, he had his best game of the season, uh, hundred and forty total yards, three touchdowns, looked a, a little more explosive than we had seen him this year. Um and as good as Miles Gaskin has been this year, I think getting Coleman involved is huge from a from a long term perspective for this team. Uh, last year in the Arizona game, I thought Coleman kind of came on, had, you know, a big game that, that game sparked that team, um, helped us get a win down there in a, in a, you know, an ever serial situation against Arizona and then against Arizona state. He had the two longest gains of the, of the night there, but he only touched the ball six times. Um, and so I thought that was the Arizona state game was a time where Coleman really could have been more involved and could have thrived. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they need to start giving it, him, giving him the ball more. He seems to really add a nice change of pace, um, that more thunder to Gaskin's lightning, uh, as you could say, um, in the run department. So I, I think they should, as great as Gaskin has been, you don't want to really mess with that. Uh, I mean, he, he, he brings a great other element to the rushing attack that I think you need to utilize and you will have to utilize, especially when you start facing teams that are going to have a bigger front seven. Um, you saw what, what happened against us last year in, in the beach bowl. So um, having that bigger back, like Scarborough for Alabama is, is Vital in some cases, so I think he's the best big back that we have, and I think we need to keep giving him the ball because obviously it's working.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, and same with Savon Ahmed too. Um, just uh, the more touches, the better I think with with him and with with uh, with Coleman. And I think the reality at this point with you know Hunter Bryant getting injured and and the the other UW receivers outside of Pettis not really developing is. Hey, your three of your best four offensive skill players might be running backs, and you got to figure out ways to get them the ball. Um, and so, you know, against UCLA, you have twelve passes, fifty-eight runs. Uh, you know, it makes sense as to why that would happen. It's just you're getting the the ball into the hands of, of your best offensive players.
0: Yeah. I I think I think one thing that we need to point out though is that. UCLA's run defense is horrendous. The oh, yeah. worst in the country, and it's not even close. Like, they, per, on a per-game basis, they concede 307 yards on the ground, which is like 28 yards more than any other team in, in the FBS. So uh, that does help uh, when it comes to, you know, padding those stats. But with that said, I think it still shows how great of a rushing attack we do have. Um just given those two guys and now it looks
1: like Achmed too. Yeah, Achmed especially in the kicking game getting involved too is just another way to to figure out ways to to put the ball in his hands and um, and still keep Gaskin and Coleman involved uh, yeah, the UCLA defense would be an amazing touch football team they, they would be <laughs> they'd be like the 85 Bears of, of touch football. They're uh, soft I they, said it, there it is. Wow hear that Jim? Jim, Jim Moore, are you listening? Yeah,
0: what are you gonna what are you gonna say,
1: Jim? Yeah. Um more on that later. Uh I, I think we'll we'll get to, to Jim Moore's yeah. Brock Heward call out. Um so I think gaining another four or five yards there. It's third and short. What do you got for us? Uh
0: let's see. I have uh I think it's weird how this is going. I'm I'm talking about UCLA more than Huskies, so I don't okay. know what that says about me. But uh I just I think it's amazing that UCLA is what now, four and four. Um, and they went four and eight last year. It's been a pretty brutal last two years for Mora in LA. And that goes with having some of the best recruiting classes over the past five years in the country. I just, it doesn't really translate for me. The last three years, Mora's nine and 14, yet he's averaged the 14th best recruiting class over the past five years. Uh, he's had five, five stars in that time span. Uh, the last five-star UW has had is Shaq Thompson, and, and last time he played for UW was 2014. So it's just—I I feel like there needs to be a change in in, in Westwood. Uh, it's it's kind of shocking because LA is always going to have great talent, and UCLA is always going to get that great talent, and they just can't seem to figure it out. So um, I think we might be seeing—I mean, personally as a UCLA fan, I'd be, I'd be wanting to see more out after this year, but I mean, I'm not so sure if he's going to be out. We'll
1: see. Yeah, the I think what it says about you is that you have a, a roommate or an ex roommate who went to or a big UCLA yes. fan. So yes. <laughs> that that's I, that's what uh what is causing this this animosity. But uh,
0: who di- who, yeah, yeah. I, it, other people won't understand my animosity for UCLA, but there is some there, thanks to him. And he actually for the record does not think Mora will be fired, so that says something. Yeah, uh, uh, it's it, he said that that UCLA is pretty slow about these things, and they like to kind of feel it out. So I guess we'll see, but it's not good. And it, I mean, like I said, given the talent, they should be way better.
1: Yeah, the consensus that I had heard is is that Mora has another year on his contract after this. His buyout is huge. Um, uh, it, it's it, it makes it a little bit more complicated to just get rid of him. Um, UCLA is obviously not a a, a team that's, that's hurting for for money um, in in the, the the booster sense of the word. However, you you know you have to make these kind of cost effective decisions. And is there a candidate that uh, that makes sense that makes it worth it to go out and get them right now? And I think as you're seeing with with teams like Florida and other places with coaching vacancies, there's not a lot of hot name candidates out there unless they're going to go, you know, full fledged into getting a John Gruden out of the booth or something like that. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 nice and you know, it's the the consensus is, you know, it's time to move on, but um, you know I think the the more measured approach is, is probably what Ucla will go with although yeah, you're absolutely right Moore's got to capitalize on talent if you if you can't win seven games a year with with the the classes that they're bringing in um it's it's just it's 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 never gonna happen so it's so why hang on um, in the meantime
0: I, I think I see chip Kelly raising his hand in the back of the room by the
1: way <laughs> Yeah I, I can't wait I would I would totally endorse chip getting back into the conference I think. Um, that did a lot for putting the Pac-12 North on the map back in the day.
0: As much as it pains you to say that,
1: I'm Abso- sure. yeah, definitely, it was miserable to play against his teams. But um, but you can't say that the conference didn't didn't gain from that. So uh, it's I don't know if we converted on third down, but that's okay because it's fourth down. And my my point is about our new uh, All Pro kicker, Tristan Vizcaino. Who <laughs> Uh, so he's going to come on and kick the field goal for us. He, he he had been ostracized as our kicker earlier in the season, just had some trouble making kicks that he should have. I don't think the, you know, I don't know if we had an attempt that was even close to 50 yards this season, uh, but it was more the in the, the, you know, 20s and 30 range that kicks just weren't happening. Obviously the ASU debacle, you missed two short kicks that would have tied that game. Um, and it just, it was leading to so many other problems Vizcaino had a two-week practice in between uh, the ASU game and the UCLA game, took the bye week, sounds like his confidence got up, and he hit three kicks on Saturday for 31, 26, and 24 yards. Again, none of those are epic, you know, drilling them from deep-type kicks, but considering he's he's a guy that lost his job to a guy that looked like he had never kicked anything in his life before, uh, Van Soderbergh last couple weeks, I'm, I'm happy for Vizcaino. I think, um, it can't, it can't go understated of how mental kicking is and kicking is, is like golf, or if you don't have it in between the ears, whatever you have from a, from a leg perspective, isn't gonna, isn't gonna matter. Yeah. I think I, I heard, uh, someone mention
0: this this weekend. I think my dad actually mentioned this, uh, Chuck Nelson, one of the greatest kickers in Husky football history, missed two kicks to start a season. Uh, back in the day. And I think he went on to, after that went on to make every single kick for the rest of the season. So it's, it's like kickers get in their head. You just got to give them some time. Kickers are weird. Um, I don't know what else you can really say about them. It's just kind of a weird position in general. I would, even though I with a soccer background, I, you know, know what it takes to kick things but i would never want to be a kicker in football just the pressure is unbelievable
1: yeah it's it's an interesting point about the soccer background because everyone says you know pull any any kid who used to play high school soccer out of out and they're you know have a decent size to them and and have them try out and and you know like you said the, the kicker position is so not that it's it's not in the flow of the game you, you don't do anything during the game. You're 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 trying to to just watch a game, but then all of a sudden you have to do something. Um, when you really get so into honestly, like
0: mentally, it's mentally the, the more almost more challenging than physically.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, if there was no one watching, you know, you, you look at how the the San Diego Chargers kicker Young Hoku got the the job, and there's all these videos of him doing these crazy things with the football, and it's like, wow, he's gonna be a great kicker, and then you know, first two weeks he has game winning kick opportunities and it's just a totally different ball game, um, from there. So yeah, I mean, look no further than, than Blair Walsh and how his career has, has played out to know that that job is, is insanely mental. So, uh, best of luck to, to Tristan Vizcaino and the, the UW kicking game as we go forward. That's it. I think we, we, we got three points on the drive. Uh, we'll shoot, for, we'll shoot for seven next time, but, uh, um, not a bad way to go with four downs here. Any, any closing thoughts on UCLA or ASU before we move on to, 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 the, to the next phase of the season?
0: Um, I was a little surprised actually that we rolled UCLA as easily as we did. Uh, so that was a bit refreshing to see, um, this Oregon one this weekend scares me. I guess I'll I'll wait until we jump into that. But uh I don't really want to talk about ASU for obvious reasons. That one I still don't understand, but uh it was it was a solid win this weekend. So I think we should be happy about that and prepare for uh Oregon game this Saturday.
1: Yeah, the ASU game was just a, another reminder of of how how cruel and and awful sports can be. I haven't felt like that uh since the 2014 super bowl where you just feel mm-hmm. completely empty and and completely helpless when when uh, a game should not have gone the way you you thought it was especially down the stretch. I mean the Alabama game was tough but that game seemed out of reach almost you almost expected it. Yeah, almost be before honest. kickoff that game yeah. felt out of reach. Um so yeah, it's just just devastating and um yeah, so rolling UCLA is a good sign that that things are are going back in the right direction and and that, that was um not not the the exception or that was the exception to the rule of how the Huskies play against against ASU. So, um, moving on to the big picture, we're gonna do it again. We're we're gonna cheat death and we're gonna talk about the playoff picture before we can talk about actual football. Um, the College Football Playoff rankings came out today, and UW is twelfth in those rankings. And then they they were fifth after or before the ASU game. Um, had a chance to to move into the top four and probably would still have been there. Or, or much closer than they are right now. Uh, that ASU game obviously put them back. But from my perspective, they're 12th. You want to get into the top four. UW basically needs eight teams to lose, um, some of them more than, more than once uh, in four weeks.
0: It's not likely. That's, <laughs> let's just put it out there. It's not likely. I'm not planning on it at all. I mean, obviously, that if it happens, I'll be ecstatic, but... Most likely not going to happen. It, I think I think the best or the easiest way to see that is that the only one-loss team below us is Virginia Tech. Every one-loss team is above us. Um, I'm not counting Memphis or, or uh, UCF, by the way, but that just goes to show you how little they think of the schedule that we've played so far. And I think, you know, for the most part, it's justified. But, uh it's, it's a bit annoying because, obviously, Arizona State, as good as they played that night, we, we're we better than Arizona State. We should have beaten them. And we didn't, which is our fault. So, um, who knows? I, I think there's a decent shot still for us to get a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, maybe an at-large to the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. So, there's still a lot to play for. And, obviously, the conference championship, that's always to play for still. Um, so, still a lot to a lot to uh, look forward to this season, but I would not hang my hat on us getting into the playoff, but I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, it's not out of the picture completely. And actually we were just talking before, before hopping on here, that 538 projection model has us at a 75%, 77% chance to, to make it if we went out or something, some of normally high amount like that. So I still don't buy that necessarily, but,
1: um, It is a bit comforting, I guess, to see that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, if if you learn anything and you listen to to the to the best coaches in in sports talk, you know, it's 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 very much a just get the job done this week. We'll let everything else take care of itself uh, mentality. And and Peterson is no different. You know, (laughs) as much of a cyborg as he is, Bill Belichick is no different. It's (laughs) it's. you can really only handle what what is in front of you. And I I, I think that if, if Washington can, can handle, handle business and, and win out and we'll see what happens. You know, I think as a, as a fan, you know, to jump from where we were just two years ago playing in the, the, what, Zaxby's heart of Dallas bowl or whatever that was um, to, to now feeling like we're entitled into a, uh, into a, a final four game is, um, is is not realistic, and so we're you know there's some program equity that needs to be built up, some some schedule strength that needs to be built up. So we'll see what happens. Um, that being said, obviously you're rooting for the Huskies to win every single week in hopes that they can make the playoff, um, not just win but win comfortably, um, especially against against teams that that have a, a number next to their name. So the, those those opportunities would be against Stanford and against USC um, or whoever we would play in the Pac-12 title game. So uh, you want UW to win out, but if we are doing a little bit of schedule watching and, and scoreboard watching across college football this week, um, I've outlined nine games to pay attention to. Um, nice. All right. Yeah. So um, g- let's do this. I'll I'll say the game, and then you give me a a score out of ten in terms of how how likely you think the the team we uh, the team we would want to win. Would win, if that makes sense.
0: I don't know if it does, but let's <laughs> just go
1: for it. All right, so. <laughs> give, me, give me a game. Give yeah. me a game. So Stan and I obviously had a pre-show meeting, and clearly it went well. Uh, LS, <laughs> LSU at Bama is the first game, so we want LSU to win.
0: Yeah.
1: How likely <laughs> out of 10 do you feel that that would be?
0: How likely? Yeah. Uh, like, what? I, I don't know which way you're going on the one. Got it. A, scale, but a, Very low.
1: A, a ten would be book it. It's gonna happen.
0: Okay, so it's a one. Okay.
1: Uh, Solid. But
0: but it raises a question. I was thinking about this today. If Alabama were to lose, they're now a one-loss team with arguably the worst schedule of any of the one-loss teams. They don't have a single team on their current on their uh, on their cr- schedule to date. I think that got a point in, in this week's polls, Uh, so I, I, I
1: it would just be
0: really interesting.
1: <laughs> I smelled cupcakes it. with some, some heavy frosting on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that,
0: that goes for Wisconsin too. They're in the same boat undefeated yet. Have not played a single ranked team. Yeah. So th-
1: even if, if Bama loses Bama, Bama has, uh, has had this happen several times, um, with LSU where they've, they've lost and then have rallied through the rest of the season and the um, conference title. Yeah, exactly. So so and then
0: it's back where they started essentially. I
1: think Bama would have to lose twice regardless. Yeah, um, but agreed. so this this one plus maybe the SEC Championship game. Um, don't see that happening, but No. Nope. All right. So moving on LSU at Bama. Next one Virginia Tech at kind of a, a out of nowhere team, the Miami Hurricanes who are 7 and 0. Who who also haven't really played
0: many people, but with that said, uh I honestly don't know much about either of these teams. Um,
1: you're not you're not dialed into ACC football?
0: I'm on, yeah, I'm honestly that's probably the least dialed in of any of the major conferences I am, either them or Big 12, but I I think Virginia Tech is favored even though Miami's at home. I could be wrong on that on that front. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think Virginia I think given that and the fact that they're the road team and they're still favored, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech winning. Um, the nice thing, and we'll, you'll get to this game after it, but there will for sure be two one-loss teams or undefeated teams that will lose this week. So you can uh, count that from from a UW perspective, um, and one of them will be the loser of this game.
1: Just um, just hacking away, right? Uh, yeah, Virginia yeah. Tech is one of the college football teams I've actually seen in person this year um, <laughs> at a Boston College game. Go figure. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, granted, I, I enjoyed a, a night on the town um, in Boston beforehand, so my my recollection of their their playing style isn't isn't super solid. However, um, I do remember them being about the most average football team that you could ever uh, put together. So, in um, in a good way, they're they're solid team. So we'll see uh, what what VTech can do. Next game we're rooting for would be NC State. At home against Clemson, Clemson, who is currently fourth in the playoff rankings, Uh, I think another loss would probably, moving Clemson to to two losses, would probably bounce them out of the picture for good.
0: Agreed. And NC State already has two losses, so they're pretty much out of the picture already. So obviously we're going to be pulling for NC State here. Um, Whether that will happen, I would be very surprised if Clemson were to go down. I mean, I guess Syracuse beating Clemson was out of nowhere, uh, I doubt Clemson will let that happen again, um, so I wouldn't count it. But NC State go Wolfpack, we want it.
1: Absolutely. Um, so NC State at home, and that's always a good sign um, in a game that they that they can get up for. They they had Notre Dame on the ropes early last week um, and couldn't pull that off, but that was in Indiana. So. Uh, we'll see if the, if the Wolfpack can, can do us another favor or try to do us another favor. Next is Wake Forest, who just beat Louisville last week, um, going into South Bend to play Notre Dame. I, I'll i just say this real quick. Knowing that Notre Dame uh, is the number one factory of letdowns uh, in the world, I think that that this would be a perfect opportunity for for that letdown game to happen where Notre Dame comes wow. out. Uh, feeling themselves and then loses to to a team that they that they feel that they are superior than uh but that's just me
0: the 5 and 3 demon Deacons, is this your uh, upset pick of the week
1: it's my my lead pipe <laughs> lo- middle school locker lock of the week uh wow. <laughs> definitely not but but uh, Wake Forest. I know. I know they just had a, some fun freshman receiver loss for the season. So I don't know if they have the firepower to pull it off. Um, but I think, from more from a, a Notre Dame perspective, they they uh, they 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 they're they're great for this type of of letdown game once a season. So um, we shall see.
0: Hey, they only lost to Clemson by two touchdowns at Clemson. So, I mean, that's sort of respectable. Yeah, they're, so not, I'll give them that.
1: they're not bad. They're not bad. Um, this one I like as well, Iowa at home against Ohio State. Ohio State would, would be taking their second loss. Again, that, that two next to your name in terms of the loss column, um, I don't think anyone has made the the final four with two losses. Um to my knowledge I'm probably going to look after this and see that that's not true but but it certainly seems like it would be hard to to rationalize a two-loss team over a one or or no loss team can Iowa do it Iowa almost beat Penn State at home this year um seems like it could be one of those like 22-16 wacky games where where I was where Iowa pulls one off
0: yeah and Kinnick Stadium is not an easy place to play um so, Oregon or Ohio State may have a hangover from that Penn State thriller this week, this past weekend as well. Um, tough, tough little schedule for Iowa, where they have to play. I think it's a it's a ranked team. It's either Penn State, I think, next week, or someone like that. So they have back um, to back, back to back tough ones here. But I would be surprised if Ohio State drops this one. I think they're still going to take it.
1: Yeah, I would think so too. Peep the uh, peep the. Iowa uniforms that they're wearing on Saturday though they are money in the bank. Uh, they look really? they look great. Some special eye themed uniforms there uh, for the Hawkeyes. Uh, so you said hangover there, and it reminded me of someone told me about hawk juice, which is this thing that they drink at Iowa games. And I think um, we need to get JT Barrett some hawk juice on Friday.
0: Yeah, we should we should test some hawk juice next uh, next podcast. Yeah, Why
1: not? I'll, I'll dig the recipe, and then we can do a, a live. A live tasting. Um,
0: <laughs> we'll go. We'll go cooking. It'll be the cooking segment that we've always wanted. Yeah,
1: Jordan and Caleb have always uh, talked about orange awesome, which has been described before. But it's it's uh, orange soda, Everclear, and wait for it—the last ingredient, vanilla ice cream. So that's that's the Oregon. That's sta- pretty awesome. Honestly, it's it's the Oregon State staple. Um, so we got to try that, and then some hawk juice. Um, can't wait for that one. Next, next on our docket is South Carolina at Georgia. Don't see this one happening. South Carolina is just—they're just not that great of a football team. Their biggest win is like Vanderbilt at this point. Um, and going into into the hedges and beating Georgia seems like a tall order at this point.
0: I know nothing about South Carolina. I'm just putting it out there. So, knowing that Georgia is number one in the country and undefeated, I will be going with Georgia.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, Let's do this next one that we're rooting for. So, so far we are LSU fans, VTech fans, NC State fans, Wake Forest fans, Iowa fans, South Carolina fans. We're also big fans of the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, We want them to to win at home against the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, This would be, I think, the first real team that Wisconsin's played this year.
0: Yeah, I I don't even know if
1: Wisconsin has played any games
0: yet this season. Um, it's one it of those games first game
1: of the season. <laughs> it's one of those games like, you know, when you're when you're in high school and you're like looking at the, the other teams that are that are good and there's just a team that like no one actually reports their scores, so they just it just shows like win yeah. next to all of them. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's what's that's happening. Wisconsin. Yeah. The, everyone's just hammered at the games and they're like, Yeah, uh, win and <laughs> Um, I was very happy though to see
0: them set at ninth in the cultural rankings uh, today, just because I think they were at four in one of the one of the other like the AP poll. Yeah, fourth in the AP poll and in the coaches poll. I'm just thinking these guys have played nobody. It's just it, it, it would have been too bad if they were in fourth or fifth. So I think I think the committee got that right. Um, they don't have a single ranked opponent on their schedule, and they won't play a single ranked opponent uh, for the rest of the year unless Michigan can sneak back in the top twenty-five. So, there's a good chance they could be undefeated heading into an absolute buzzsaw in the Big Twelve title game in our Big Ten title game, in my opinion. Um, so that should be interesting. But uh, yeah, Hoosiers actually play football. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: yeah, we're big Hoosier fans. We're gonna we're gonna be rooting for for them and their wacky. Red and white candy stripe jerseys that they'll that they'll probably wear for that. We're also rooting for Sparty. Michigan State is at home against Penn State. This is a this is a, a big one here in terms of Penn State, um, a very good football team. This is probably their last big test before the conference championship. So um, really need Michigan State to to pull this one off. Michigan State's not a threat to to UW in terms of um, passing them. So being a good team at home. Um, and and taking care of Penn State would would do us a lot of favors. Michigan State seemingly always
0: has that sneaky win under their belt. Um, They already did knock off number 7 Michigan early in the year, 14-10, to but they might have something up their sleeves here this weekend, Uh, Penn State, and then they have to travel to Ohio State uh, next weekend, so pretty tough schedule coming up. But it seems like every year there's always one win where you don't expect it, and all of a sudden – uh Penn State or Michigan State just comes out of nowhere to beat some top teams so when put it out of the cards uh hopefully they can get it done
1: yeah I and this next one I can't believe uh, like if, if I was 12 years old thinking about who I'm who I need to root for to for ranking purposes in this game we need Texas to beat TCU um just say that one
0: yeah, in your that head. Yeah. Does not make
1: any sense. <laughs> yeah. So Texas, the underdog at TCU. TCU is eighth in the in the conference in the country above above U Dub. Obviously, um, they took a loss last week to Iowa State, but um, their one loss is is better than our one loss. So TCU is not a team that I that I really fear. But hey, if if it ends up being a one loss one loss scenario, um, I think that they they might have the edge over us. So uh, hook them horns. This this may be my upset pick of the week. Ooh. Uh, Texas over
0: TCU. Texas has played every ranked opponent they faced, really tough. They Tom. Lost, well, I mean, you can talk what you want about USC, but when they played them at when their USC was fourth, they only lost by 3. They lost by 5 to Oklahoma and they lost by 3 to number 10 Oklahoma State. So, they've been here before, three times against top 12 opponents so far this year and they've lost by five points or less in all three of them. So uh, I think it could be possible. Uh, TCU, though, has shown that they're uh, the real deal this year, so we'll see. Uh, Texas coming off of a thirty-seven to 38-7 win over 0-8 Baylor. <laughs> so uh, they're flying high at the moment.
1: Yeah, how that, how that mighty, fraudulent Baylor football team has fallen. Um, yeah, unbelievable. In the battle of, of annoying hand gestures, you have the, the hook 'em horn symbol and the the TCU weird little, like, <laughs> air quotes Fuck. thing that, thing yeah. that they do. Uh, which one's more annoying, do you think, between those two?
0: Uh, probably the hook 'em horns, just because I've had to deal with that for so well, not personally, but just as a college football fan for so many years. Like, I, I kind of like TCU. Yeah. I feel like they're overlooked in the state of Texas when it comes to football, and they're kind of. In the last 10 years that kind of said hey we're here too we want to we want to you know get a piece of the of the cake as well
1: yeah yeah it's like baylor was was kind of the the fun team and it's like we have crazy jerseys too and you know we... <laughs> we're a frog <laughs> yeah a horned frog actually yeah no less um cool so to, to recap uh go tigers the lsu version uh go virginia tech go nc state go wake forest uh, go Hawkeyes and bring us some hawk juice while you're at it go South Carolina although not a lot of hope for that one go Hoosiers go Michigan State and then go Texas um so yeah keep an eye out for those games in addition to this one which is the o- one yeah exactly uh, the one that really is the only one that matters because if we lose this one nothing nothing matters we have to beat Oregon this week um, have Oregon at home played them last season. Uh, had the 70-21 the to 21 just demolishing last year in Eugene. Um, the Ducks were, were so ready for that game that they that they hid from their normal Duck jerseys and wore webfoot costumes just to pretend like it wasn't happening. Um, Jake Browning and co. walked into that stadium and, and just laid the, the beat down there. 70-21, as I said, that was one of the only games where I, I got the score. I was camping, and I actually couldn't watch the game. And I woke up the next morning, and I was like, no way. And I just called you. I was, I was in disbelief um, at what I, had, what I had read.
0: I was in disbelief that you were camping <laughs> during the game. But yeah. with that said, I went down to that game, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, just seeing the Oregon student section empty out and be almost completely empty in the middle of the third quarter is just unbelievable. It's like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, obviously not expecting a 70 to, 20, 70 to 21 thrashing again,
1: but, uh, definitely expecting us to win by several touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, 25 points is a spread right now. I said 21. And I think, did
0: you say 21? Okay. Well, yeah. I checked it yesterday and it was 25, so it might've changed, but whatever. It's, it's three touchdowns plus a few at the most, uh, that might i don't know if we can cover that necessarily but um, i don't really care i just want to get the w in this one yeah that's for sure.
1: one one quick point on what you just said i think that's the first time anyone has has said that's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in the context of Eugene Oregon ever so you very might true. you might have just broken uh, broken serious ground on that so con- very true
0: my dad doesn't even stop for gas in the state of Oregon, so I think you know where we're
1: coming from when have got about our hatred for the Ducks. I've got a funny funny stopping for gas story in Oregon um, that that I'll share with you later. Um, Charlie Penner, if you're listening, you, you definitely remember that one. Um, but anyways, the, uh, the this this current edition of the game, I think basically it comes down to me, or it comes down to, to one thing here, uh, and that's Royce Freeman. Justin Herbert was, was looking strong, the sophomore quarterback for the Ducks. Uh, he's been out and since then that that offense just hasn't had any sort of vertical threat it's just been 100% about Royce Freeman um, great running back he he goes in the weird category of Oregon players who I actually can't help but actually enjoy uh, it's kind of weird to say he's in the the Darren Thomas zone where it's like wow I I hate I hate you but you're really good. Um, yeah. That's that's how Royce Freeman is to me. He's already over a thousand yards in the season. He's a big back, lots of power, um, but can break away in the open field as well. Um, I think you know if if Oregon's gonna win, it's gonna be very similar to that ASU game plan where you know control the clock, move the chains, get yourself into a lot of, of third and short, second and short situations. Um, although I just don't think that they have the advantage of. Being at home, uh, as ASU did, and then also the quarterback play wasn't great for ASU, but it was good enough uh, to move the chains, and I just don't think we're going to see that with Oregon.
0: Agreed. I, I mean, like you said, Royce Freeman's a talent, but you also got to think about who's on the other side of the ball, and that's the Husky defense in that front seven, and there's equally talented players on that side of the ball. So I, I, he may he may, you know, break a few here and there, but I think for the most part, we're going to you know, hold them in check, uh, hopefully, and uh, it'll be I think it'll be really interesting to see if Justin Herbert comes out and plays. Um, he, you know, Brooke is collarbone at the end of September, so he's looking at only a month of recovery time if he were to come in and play in this one. And just thinking about that defense being able to get to him and, you know, kind of rough him up a bit, which they've done obviously to Rosen last weekend. It's I don't know as an as a coach for Oregon, I don't know if Taggart wants to Really put him in there. I feel like he it might be detrimental to his health, and that's not that's not you know, I mean that's that's saying both that's saying great stuff about UW defense, Um, but I think it would be kind of risky. But I mean, if it's the best chance for them to win, I guess they got to play them. It'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, realistically, Oregon is is five and four. They they play at Washington and they get Arizona at home. Um, Those might be you're probably not beating. UW this week you have a chance against Arizona Arizona and then after that you got Oregon State at home you only need one more g- win to get to a bowl game I doubt that they would throw Herbert out there given what had just happened to to Rosen and um, and the, the no real reason to rush uh, uh-huh. but we'll see if Herbert's out there that that certainly changes things especially if he's healthy um, because um, you know I, I liked him from from what he showed last year and then also uh, into this one as well. I think 21, 21 points, I'll, I'll I'll, take that, UW covers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see 21. 25 is getting a little high for my liking, but then again, I was spotting my buddy, like, 10 or 15 points last week, so I yeah. don't know what the heck I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, especially when our, our you know, brand-new awesome kicker, Tristan Viscaino. Uh, yeah, all pro,
0: as you said. Yeah,
1: exactly. He he puts us over the 21-point the threshold, and uh and above that, so so um, I'm good with with taking the cover there. That about covers everything relevant to uh, the 2017 University of Washington Huskies. We're gonna we're gonna take a a <laughs> a trip into a dark place here. It's 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 Halloween, and neither of us are watching scary movies or haunted houses or. Um, or anything like that, but we're here to talk it's about much the, worse. yeah, yeah, much more bleak, the the darkest, most horrifying time in UW football history, which would be the Tyrone Willingham era. Um, Willingham was the coach of of the Huskies from 2005 to 2008. Uh, during his tenure, UW went 11 and 37. Uh, the camel's back was broken, and he was he was fired when UW went 0 and 12 in 2008. In a season where the team scored four passing touchdowns the entire year and had just 13 offensive touchdowns on the whole season, to put that into perspective, Miles Gaskin has 11 touchdowns this season, and there are four games left. Uh, one player versus an entire team. Back then, it was it was so horrifically bad. And looking through the numbers, it it just kind of validates that those teams were just. Awful. They they didn't do anything. There was no identity to them after Jake Locker got hurt in the Oklahoma game. There there was literally nothing left. There was no talent, and I was at every game. I think you were as well. It was it was just pure darkness.
0: I I think we should preface this first, saying we're doing Willing Willingham trivia. We're not just bringing this up right. to make our nights terrible. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. yeah. you say that. <laughs> um, but yeah probably
0: one of the worst points of of my uh, 25 years was that uh, stretch uh, 2008 being the lowest obviously um, yeah, yeah I did, you know I don't normally talk about these things so I don't have much to say
1: <laughs> it was uh it was bad man um any any stories about like qualitatively how bad it was that,
0: uh other than the Apple Cup losing the Apple Cup in 2008 to seal the defeated season one of my one of the worst parts, I thought, was... I mean, the grand scheme of things, this isn't that big of a deal, but they burned Cody Bruns' red shirt like six games into the season, and Cody Bruns was like a decent recruit for us. And he went on to have, I think, only three catches in the rest of, the rest of that season, so they completely burned it for nothing. I just remember thinking... What the heck is going on here? This like I could make a better decision coaching wise than this. So I think that was just that just epitomized the entire regime that uh, Willingham had
1: in his three years at UW. It's just kind of a head scratcher uh, for the most part. You know, it's funny.
0: Is that yours as well?
1: I'm gonna have to change my trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> Cody Brun- I got two,
0: I got two, so we're good okay
1: cody bruns was was my my trivia question you you had that one y- you read that you read the pre snap read very well there <laughs> um, yeah, the bruns red shirt burning was was certainly bizarre um my i'll I'll spend longer on the story then and I can just absorb both your questions but the uh the moment for me was our our good friend Michael Roberts came with me to a game that season against Arizona state, we were just so bad. We like, we had Arizona state wasn't even good, but we couldn't move the ball and it was rainy and no one was in the stands, but we had pretty nice seats back then. And this, this lady, um, who I didn't know at the time, but she, she came and sat next to, to, to Roberts. And I didn't know at the time, but she was just hammered, like head, head spinning, like just not long for this world. And so she sat next to Roberts, and it wasn't really an issue. She was kind of like falling asleep and back and forth. And then uh, my dad had some like treats in the the backpack at that point, and I that was like, Dad, do we have any food? And so he brings out a Rice Krispie bar, and so I hand it to, to to Michael, and the the intoxicated lady smelled the Rice Krispie bar and then immediately threw up all over Roberts. Um, oh my God. In the in like the third quarter of a game, and that was in the old Huskies. All the Husky Stadium, the facilities weren't nice enough to like clean up in there when the bathrooms were just like basically walls to pee on. Just
0: shove it in the trench.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, sweep it in. So getting puked on in the ASU game uh, in that season was was the 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 nader for sure. What's um,
0: worse, going through that season or getting puked on at a game?
1: Puked on once. Take,
0: yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yes maybe take that for the, for the good
1: of the team. I mean, I think college has kind of numbed my perspective of yeah, getting getting yeah, cute
0: done <laughs> that's probably not abnormal
1: yeah what's 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 the difference at this point but uh yeah so I, I would I would take that i would I would hope that no one I know ever has to endure something like that um, Bad college football is is just the absolute worst anyways, I'm excited for your questions I'm excited to, to look like a fool on live broadcast here.
0: Okay, so I have two. One's pretty hard, and one's easier. I think you'll get the second one. Do you give want to go with the hard one first?
1: Give me the layup. Some some confidence booster. Here. Okay,
0: okay, I'll give you the layup. Um, what? Who was Tyrone Williams, the first uh, recruit of Tyrone Williams at UW to get drafted to the NFL? Hmm. And I'll give you the. Do you want me? Do you want the year? I can give you the year.
1: No. Drafted so in the anybody.
0: Remember, he, he was here until 08, so it wouldn't have been anybody in like 05, 06, 07, because that's not his recruit.
1: Right, so not his. Not he his...
0: recruited this player.
1: Was it Locker?
0: No, but it, Locker was next the next year.
1: Teo Nesheim? <laughs> Same
0: year, Teo Nesheim was drafted several picks after this player in the third round. of of the
1: 2010 draft. 2010, oh, Donald Butler? Yep, Donald Butler. There we go. Uh, Love number nine, love DB. Um, Wow, that's... And then Foster got drafted that same year, or the year after, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Great linebacking crew for such a terrible team.
1: Yeah, Court Dennison in there as well.
0: Yep, very good. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So the hard, the hard question, I don't even know if I should wait for the answer because I don't even know who this guy is.
1: <laughs> Give me 25 seconds. Okay, okay. Just de- dead air, I
0: think. Who is the only coach from Ty- Tyrone Willingham's coaching tree to currently hold a head coaching position in college football?
1: I'm imagining this tree looks like the uh, the Charlie Brown... Christmas tree. Just yeah sparse.
0: Brutal. There was only two names on this coaching tree, by the way, and one of them is no longer current head coach.
1: I have no idea. Give me the team.
0: Uh Maryland. Still have no idea. <laughs> DJ Durkin, which I don't even know. I didn't even know that was a head coach for Maryland, if I'm gonna be honest. A graduate assistant in the two thousand three two thousand four season for Willingham at Notre Dame.
1: I I wonder if he knew it was bad then. But my my, my Tyrone Willingham story uh, to end this story time for for the last couple minutes of the podcast here
0: <laughs> for the three people that are still listening. Yeah,
1: hey mom. Uh, the <laughs> the, Skyline Oaks Christian game my junior year. Um, Skyline football was like just a ridiculous spectacle and we played oaks christian who was um, will smith's son's team nick montana was on that team and it was a huge deal um there's like certainly some some college level talent on the field during that game and you know we're, we're in the student section at uh spartan field as it's called stupidly but um back then you probably could only fit i don't know 400 kids in there. And so anyone who is trying to get to the game is, is stacked on top of each other. There's definitely too many people in there, except for in the back row of the bleachers. Um, I look behind me and none other than Tyrone Willingham is sitting down behind a group of students. What going nuts over the game. And he's sitting down as the game's kicking off, reading a book oh my at a football game. And granted, his son was a coach, and i and I get why he's there, but behind the student section, reading a reading a book, it was just i i, I yes. couldn't I couldn't even look think too hard about it because I just wanted to distance <laughs> myself from from that man's tenure um but but i was I was someone who should
0: be it. a football guy and should be like, "Oh, this is a football game. I'm going to watch this because this is my profession
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, and like in the student, it was it was so it was so perfectly Willingham of like being in the right place, saying maybe the right things, but just not quite getting it about how it worked. Um, So, yeah, Husky fans, I know the ASU loss was was a tough one. Um, But if you listen to that last five minutes there, you know, it could be much, much, much worse. So um, take that with a grain of salt. For this year's team, as, as we watch a very, very good college football team um, try and, and fight their way back into the, the college football playoff picture. Stanton, this was fun. We did our best to keep it under an hour, and we, we have done that by 2 minutes and 40 seconds, so congrats nice. to us.
0: Do we fill those 2 minutes and 40 seconds, or uh, do we just call it?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to do a rendition of Afternoon Delight as the... <laughs>
0: Are you, are you good at harmonizing? No, I'm uh, <laughs> I think there's one thing that you missed. One game you did miss is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Bad blow.
1: Right. We talked about this before the show. We, we couldn't decide yeah. on who we want to win. Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.
0: Both one lost teams. Just yeah. enjoy the game.
1: Yeah. It's Just, good
0: college football. Exactly. 1 o'clock, Fox Sports 1.
1: Yeah, 1 o'clock, and then six hours later, you can watch us kick off. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right, my man. Good stuff. Uh, we'll probably do this again next couple weeks and uh update the people on on what's going on with the dogs. Wherever awesome. Sounds
0: good. So take it easy. i I'm, I'm a husky baby. a husky baby. I'm a husky baby. Look, everybody know I'm a dog. And a bread it's happy me through a breadball hole. It's Chuckle phone, a.k.a. trade. Making big plays all day. You know the motto, go hard or go home. Serving you lanes like Russell Crowe and Roll. Uh-huh, don't let that leash come off. we exposed exposing all.